Abraham Lincoln Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Russian media reporting 10,000 soldiers have been killed, then claims it was hacked. 1,500 Russian tanks, arms, and vehicles reportedly destroyed. They either didn't properly plan for logistics or sustainment, or they didn't properly execute to their plan, but they are still having problems. I think the Ukrainians are doing very well, but look, there is zero possibility of Putin saying to his generals, okay, back out of here. Uh, unravel the mess uh, you've you've made. I thought that was interesting observation from uh, a general on NBC there at the end that uh, even after the the news everybody was getting and has been getting for a month now but was getting yesterday about the number of Russian soldiers killed the number of tanks they've lost the number of planes they've lost the way they're now mining the ground in front of them as a defensive maneuver because they're starting to lose ground to the Ukrainians uh that general there saying there's zero chance Putin backs out I don't know. Can it, is that? Do you think that is that possibly true? That there's zero chance he backs out. Uh, I, I, if he'd said less than twenty, I'd agree with him. Um, at some point, well, one of the reasons he's not going to tell his generals to to back out is because they're all dead. They've lost an extraordinary number of generals, and and I read some military analysis. I found very interesting. There are only a couple of reasons why you would have generals there in the hot uh, shooting war part of the front. And that is generally because things have stalled completely and the general doesn't know why and goes to find out because communication is so bad. Or secondly, uh, the execution of orders is not happening down the line. And the, the, the corporal can't get the privates to do what they're supposed to do. And the, you know, the sergeants can't get the corporals. And on up the line, you got like full colonels who go up to the front lines and say, I can't get them to move. I, we're not making any progress. So the generals got to go up there themselves and, and uh, give the orders personally and threaten executions or whatever. And meanwhile, the Ukrainians say, hey, who's that guy with the epaulets? Let's shoot him. And they do. And as Putin gets more desperate and is losing, it becomes more likely, it's a bit of a catch-22, that he does something really horrific. And then how do we deal with that? Jonathan Swan of Axios was reporting on that yesterday. What is the atrocity threshold inside Ukraine that would provoke a more aggressive response from NATO? Is it chemical weapons? Is it... Putin using one of his quote-unquote tactical smaller nuclear weapons. What would those uh, actions do to that conversation in NATO? They've been very resolute. We're not doing a no-fly zone. We're not doing anything. But people I speak to both on the Hill and also among foreign governments, they all believe that this is going to change the conversation if this, God forbid, if this happens. So you think the President uh, Biden is on the way to... Uh, Europe right now in what he calls an aeroplane. Um, and uh, he's going to meet with the other NATO leaders. And you think they're going to be having the discussion behind closed doors of what our red line is? Well, yeah. How will we react to various provocations? Um, and they will, they'll try to decide in advance. And there might be some sort of let's meet together one more time after it happens to make sure we're sure. But, yeah, they'll absolutely say, here's how we respond to chemical weapons. Here's how we respond to tactical nukes. They have to. And the reason this is really troubling and interesting to me, and I can go into detail on either of these points now or later, number one, you have increasing dissent among uh, the Russian influential class. 
more and more open, including a couple of notable individuals saying, hey, uh, this is a mistake. It's a terrible mistake. I told you before it was a mistake, and I haven't changed my mind. And then you have long lines for goods inside Russia. And and so that's just begun. The real pain for Russian citizens is a trailing indicator. It's a few weeks late, but they're now in enormous lines for sugar, for instance, or wheat, that sort of thing. And the running bitter joke is, hey, it's the Soviet Union again. What the hell is going on here? So that leads to the really troubling part, which is the only way Putin uh, rallies some sort of popular support at home or greater popular support is if he can portray it as a war against NATO, the U.S., and the West. How does he get a war against NATO and the West? By using chemical weapons or tactical nukes on the poor Ukrainian people. Yeah, it depends on how much news is getting to the people. If they're getting much news at all, I don't think that angle is going to (laughs) work. I think their reaction would be, yeah, we're at war against NATO, and here's why. But if they're not, you know, if they're not getting the the truth, what percentage of Russians are getting the truth? That obviously, I don't know. Um, We mentioned this last hour. Putin's climate envoy publicly resigned and left Russia in opposition to the war in Ukraine. Ian Bremer tweeted out, highest level official to do so so far, hopefully a sign of many more to come. It seems to me right now it is a race, and this might be the most consequential race in world history. It certainly could end up being. Um, It's a race between the whole Putin end of it falling apart, whether it's enough people turn on him or murder him or convince him or however that goes or he changes his mind or whatever. It's a race between that reality and him using chemical weapons or tactical nukes. As we've heard from so many different sources, I don't know what NATO, I don't know what the people running NATO think, but man, there are a lot of pundits that think that's easily the red line. That we absolutely are in the war. He uses chemical weapons. We're absolutely in the war. He uses tactical nukes. Other people say no. I don't know which. But it's a race between those two things. And over like a couple of weeks, probably. Yeah. Which is going to happen first? I don't know. Is, is this the first sign? This guy resigning publicly in Russia, is there going to be 10 more today? I don't know. I, I sure hope so. I wonder, this This head of, there's a big, really important association of, um, uh, like, veterans, uh, specifically Russian military officers and currently serving uh, officers. It's like the, the great association of Russian military officers. The head of it in January declared that invading Ukraine would be, quote, pointless and extremely dangerous. It would kill thousands, he said, make Russians and Ukrainians enemies for life, risk a war with NATO, and threaten the existence of Russia itself as a state. And he was recently asked, does he stand by those words? He said, well, I can't speak freely because of the wartime censorship, but I do not disavow what I said. And again, he represents a huge organization of military officers, uh, present and past. You know, getting back to the NATO thing, the gut wrenching part of this, and I guarantee this will be, uh, this will be a point of view espoused by some of the people behind closed doors. They will say the only way Putin survives is if we react. We can't be pulled in, even by chemical weapons or tactical nukes. That's exactly what he wants. But can you imagine? The citizens, the good, decent people on Earth, I almost said in the West, in Europe, everywhere, 
who would see some sort of horrific chemical attack on schools and children and 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 innocents and and think no we've got to be disciplined and stand by uh, this is the cost we pay for getting Putin out of power man i don't know if that it could happen well and how how strong will the political winds the political winds might be like that Category 4 tornado that touched down somewhere yesterday in terms of, hey, when are we going to do something here all around Europe, all around the United States? That's exactly what I'm saying, yeah. And, uh, you know, it's at some level, politicians uh, have to respond to the voters. Uh, are all the leaders of NATO going to hold firm? I know you're going to vote me out of office and call me names for all of history as, uh, as like Neville Chamberlain lying down in front of uh, obvious evil. But that's okay. I'll weather that storm. I'm going to go against the tide. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I don't know what's going to happen. Neither does anybody else. But Yeah. Oh, you want to hear something semi-amusing? The Russian government is explaining the shortage of goods and the rampant inflation and the long lines and everything on panic buying and speculators, greedy corporations. They practically said it's a transitory. <laughs> so, you know, governments around the world share certain characteristics, don't they? So you got... Two things happening at the same time. You, you've got the Ukrainian military shooting down planes, taking back land, actually taking back land from the Russian military. Wow. Nobody would have predicted that a month ago. But at the same time, you've got that good news. Russia's just pummeling some of these cities, specifically that port city of Mariupol that is just rubble now, like the surface of the moon. And um, continues to pummel it. They continue to say they're not going to surrender. And I was watching one of your military experts on a cable news show today say, if if the if the Russians can't secure that town soon, they're not going to be able to resupply. They're down. The big news story yesterday was they are now down to um, beyond ten percent of their capability has been wiped out. The Russians and that I didn't know this, but that's the tipping point. That's decimation level for militaries. I didn't know that for a unit. Y- yeah, but or, the entire yeah. military is now wow. their entire military effort to go into Ukraine is now more than ten percent degraded, which wow. is decimation territory, definitionally for militaries. Wow. So they are now at the we can't we can't function anymore level. And they need to resupply in all kinds of different ways, and they have to get Mariupol to resupply. And so that's why he's willing to, that and he's evil, uh, you know, put so much effort into that one town. Mm-hmm. Right. And well, why if the Ukrainians, Ukrainians can hold them off, you know, they might run out of food and, and even more gas and everything else. Uh, the report yesterday was that Russian soldiers are returning back home with frostbite because they didn't bring enough uh, winter clothes, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Well, well, and I was just going to say, I think it's a pretty safe assumption that given the importance of this invasion to Putin, he sent more or less his best troops, and that the next people called up are going to be lesser fighters than the ones we've seen so far. And probably even more poorly motivated. Right. That's Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm saying. Oh, you know what we ought to play next uh, segment? Oh, this is so scary and unreal and, and just, well, scary and unreal. The uh, Kremlin spokesperson talking about whether they might use nukes and, and and denying that they're targeting civilians. It's unreal. Yeah. Um, more on this. What are, what are your thoughts? Text line is 415-295-KFTC. What is going on in Putin's mind might be the biggest question on the planet right now. A lot on the way. Stay with us. Armstrong and Getty. 
The Armstrong and Getty Show. In fact, it's come together so quickly that NATO is officially calling this an extraordinary summit because it normally takes months, if not a year, to arrange for the 30 world leaders to get together here. There will also be meetings, as you mentioned, of the G7 and the European Commission. And what's on the agenda? Well, among other things, they're going to be talking about new sanctions against Russia and also finding ways to bolster the ones that have already been put in place to make sure that oligarchs and others being targeted don't evade the punishments. The president is also expected to talk about making sure that Europe becomes less dependent on Russian oil and natural gas. Yeah, we mentioned last hour that Europe is still sending a billion dollars a day to Russia. You can't, you know, you can't immediately end the way you've structured your energy economy, but they're tapering it off fast. According to Ian Bremmer, it's it's disappearing amazingly quickly and will never come back. Yeah, yeah, wow, which just increases the the desperation to do something other than what's happening in Russia. But again, which direction that takes depends on a lot of different factors. And the, the point of that story was that this is an emergency meeting of NATO that is practically unprecedented. Outside of 9-11, it's the only time NATO has ever done the whole Article 5 attack on one as an attack on all emergency come together thing. And uh, And it's, you know, it's headed that direction right now. Uh, a couple of clips I thought uh, you might find interesting. Let's start with uh, Dmitry Peskov, who's the Kremlin spokesperson. Uh, clip 50, Michael. I want to know whether you are convinced or confident that your boss will not use that option. Well, we have a concept of uh, domestic security. And, uh, well, it's public. You can read all the reasons for nuclear uh, arms to be used. Okay, so not going to rule it out. But um, I, I hate this situation we're in. Maybe there's no getting around it, but we're constantly ruling things out. Constantly. Mm-hmm. Asked over and over again by everybody, world leaders, journalists all around the world, the good guys are constantly ruling things out. The bad guys get to constantly leave things on the table. Yeah, and I, I just didn't like the way Christiana Amanpour asked that question. It was just, it's kind of a, a cliched way to ask it and gives them too many outs. But anyway, a clip 51. Russian military are not hitting civil aims, civil targets. The strategic goal is to clear up the Mariupol from nationalistic regiments who are there in, uh, in a heavily covered environment. So a little uh, translation there. They are not targeting civilians. They're trying to eliminate Nazis. Okay, well, that's reassuring. As you always say, who is that for? And here's the mayor of Mariupol, 52. The city is under continuous bombing uh, from 50 bombs to 100 bombs. Uh, Russian aircraft drops each, each day. Must be a lot of Nazis in that rubble, huh? I just saw another hospital that got bombed in another one of the towns. That's a pretty good tactic if you're evil to destroy a population's will to fight since you got nowhere to take your injured at that point. Yeah, well, that's the theory, and I'm surprised that Putin is as ignorant of history as he's seeming to be. It's a good way to forge the will to fight for the next 500 years. Yeah, good point. Uh, um, as the uh, as the, uh, the head of the Association of Military Officers put it, we'll make enemies of the Ukrainians for life, forever. Putin is in his palace, wherever he is, practically alone, I'm guessing, having to make 
one of the most consequential decisions that has ever happened on the planet with all with the walls closing in on him. This is the sort of thing Shakespeare would write a play about if he were alive today. I mean, that level of a crazy king trying to decide how to, you know, determine his fate and the fate of his nation and his people. It's man, it's some high level stuff. That NATO meeting, I mean, how is how is Putin interpreting that? He's getting the reports of how, maybe he's not, I don't know. I was just going to say, he's getting the reports of how poorly his military is doing. Maybe maybe it's as crazy as like Hitler or kings from Shakespeare. Maybe they aren't being honest with Putin. I don't have any idea. Wow, you, you've got to believe, I mean, they monitor Western media. Boy, if, if it's that much of a funhouse mirror hall... There at the Kremlin, in terms of the information he's huh? getting, God knows what's going to happen. Hitler's generals weren't honest with him. Hey, we don't even have... What are you talking about? <laughs> we, we're we getting our asses kicked. We don't even have that division. You just, you just moved on a map. I don't yeah. know. Is Putin getting the real story? There was a brief news report out of Russia yesterday that 10,000 Russian soldiers had died, and then it immediately disappeared. Nobody knows if that was disinformation, a hack by Ukraine, a mistake by Russian journalists what it was, but if that number's even anywhere close to correct, that's an an incredibly high number in a month. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think it's probably pretty close to true. Yeah, well, that's what that's what our uh, Pentagon says. Man, oh man, how long can you sustain that? If you miss an hour of the show, grab the podcast, armstrongandgetty.com. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Do I want to fight Mark Zuckerberg? Lad, I'm going to punch your head in. I'm sick of you, lad. You know what I mean? Sick of you shutting my Instagram accounts down when all I do is help charities and help people with mental health problems. You're the biggest bully on the, in the world, lad. That is Patty the Batty Pimblet, a uh, Irish MMA guy who wants to beat up Mark Zuckerberg. A lot if of us do. It was within my power to arrange that. I would, Patty. His name is Patty the Batty. Yes, and he's angry because uh, Instagram, which is owned by Zuckerberg, keeps shutting down his account. Apparently, yes. Okay. You know, really, whatever your reason for punching Mark Zuckerberg is, I, I bless you the effort. <laughs> Please, don't assault Mark Zuckerberg. Uh, came up during a commercial break of uh, the idea of dabbing. Do you remember what dabbing is? If you have sure. ki- if you have kids, particularly boys, you know what dabbing is. It's uh, this gesture. <laughs> Look at your radio. It's this gesture. <laughs> um, and I see it all the time because it's very popular with uh, with kids when they're when they're doing anything. And it's it's big on Fortnite. I think that's where it originally came from. And um, Fortnite is like if not the biggest video game in the world, certainly one of the biggest. And those of us who are out of the kid world, this is very handy because I didn't know like any of those things, but now I, I do. I'm okay. working up to something newsworthy, believe it or not. So the new uh, uh, game f- uh, of that dropped over the weekend, and uh, what's the name of the game? I just have flitted Fortnite? out. Right. Fortnite. Jeez. Yeah. So the so the new Fortnite world dropped over the weekend, and my kids download it and they're playing. But now the new Fortnite. When you when you log on, it says support humanitarian relief for Ukraine. Epic, which I guess is the company that runs all their stuff, is committing all its Fortnite proceeds from from March 20th through April 3rd to humanitarian relief for the people affected by the war in Ukraine. 
And wow. the good guys in the new Fortnite battle, coincidentally, have Ukrainian colors, and the bad guys have Russian colors. Hmm. Now, that's really interesting. Wow. With one of the most popular video games on planet Earth. So in talk about propaganda, and I'm, I'm fine. It's, you know, sometimes propaganda, it's usually used as a bad word, but sometimes propaganda is a good word. It's getting your message out. Um, that message is getting to lots of young, young people about this is the good guy, that's the bad guy. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, I don't want to spend a lot of time on it, but uh, interesting. Some of the right-wing commentators who've revealed themselves as tools of the Kremlin. Uh, but, uh, you know, more on that another day. Working oh, coming up so hard to try to come up with an angle on how Putin is okay. I don't get it. He's or how bombing. Zelensky's evil enough that he probably deserves it. Whatever shades of gray you can come up with, Putin is murdering children. Do you need to know anything other than that? Yeah, apparently they do. Coming up, and if we were BuzzFeed, I, I, I would promote it like this. You're doing something every day that's a complete waste of time. <laughs> Probably lots of things. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. Um, uh, but I'm, I will tell you this. Instead, America has finally admitted recycling doesn't work. Oh, boy. It's not doing any good. You know, I got a buddy. Eh, he's well known, but. I won't use his name. Um, uh, I got a buddy who, uh, who's who been <coughs> anti-recycling forever. And back in the day, I used to think he was a bit of a crackpot about it. But it's turned out he is absolutely right. Yeah. The whole thing has been a scam forever, really. Yeah. Um, here's a good headline for you. Kylie Jenner revealed that her son's name is no longer Wolf. Okay. I don't even know what to do with that information. <laughs> Well, I'm not going to call the lad Wolf, that's for sure, <laughs> if I run into him. Hey, Wolfie boy, hey, that is not my hey, name anymore. Yo, dude, hey, so yesterday. Yeah, come on now. So, maybe you can interpret this text for me? It doesn't have a name attached. I assume I can say this all out loud. Oh, boy. I'm not a Mike Lyons fanboy, but I have access to Intel. That confirms what he is saying about nukes and red lines. His info is too good not to be classified. Fortunately, he filters it some. Just keep in mind there are more than just tactical nukes, and they don't have to be used lethally. Also, I have been part of the Ukraine planning, and things appear to be slowing down, not speeding up. Does that mean on the Russian side? Uh, Orders have slowed to a crawl. Keep up the good work. Watch out for misinformation. Yeah, we'll do. Um, uh, boy, there's a lot to chew on there and quite a number of question marks. Yeah, and maybe clarify. But um, I, I assume what he's saying is that is the that is the official line right now, that tactical nukes are not a red line. He uses them. It's bad. We condemn it, but we're not going to war over it. You know, I'm, I'm tired of the term red line. There's, number one, it's imprecise, and number two, it's a cliche. So I suggest we go with uh, tripwire. Okay. That's what or you prefer. trigger. Fine. You pick um, one and I'll go with it. Doesn't well, matter no, I just, it's because the, the whole red line thing. What does red line mean? That means we would get involved if militarily? If you cross that line, that's, that's our, that's our uh, Trip threshold. Threshold to do what? Get involved. Okay. Uh, well, they spell it out pretty clearly whenever we've played any of these generals on TV. Mm-hmm. including the f- guy who used to run NATO, saying NATO would establish a no-fly zone and there'd be NATO troops on the ground in Ukraine. I've crossed yellow lines and white lines. I don't recall ever crossing a red line. you got to get the ball past the blue line just to even get to the line of scrimmage. 
right? What? Or is that the yellow line? What sport are you in? I don't even NFL. know. I can't tell. Got blue lines and yellow lines. Blue lines? Yellow line is a first down, isn't it? The blue is where the ball started. Well, uh, that's just on TV. It doesn't actually exist. It doesn't? You're living in fantasy land. I haven't been to a football game in person. I assumed that was real. <laughs> what do you think? They repaint the field every so often or what? <laughs> every play, I thought they ran out and repainted the field. <laughs> Sure they do. Sure they do. America's finally admitted recycling doesn't work. We'll have that for you in just a second after a quick word from our good friends at Simply Safe Home Security, recently named the best home security by U.S. News, PC Magazine, and Popular Science. Wow, Popular Science, that gets my attention. And not a lot of caveats here. It's just the best home security of 2021. And it's less than a dollar a day. You set it up yourself in around 30 minutes. And there's not a long-term contract. Most security systems are crazy complicated to use. You have to sign up for one or two years, whether you like it or use it or not. And somebody's going to come to your home and be there for like five hours to hook the thing up. Simply Safe is so good. Oh, it, it really is so good. You're going to know what's going on around your home. Even when you're not there, get alerts. If somebody approaches your door, you name it. Customize the perfect system for you and your neighborhood. In just a few minutes at simplysafe.com slash Armstrong. Go today. You can claim a free indoor security camera plus 20% off with interactive monitoring. Again, that's simplysafe.com slash Armstrong. Click around simplysafe.com slash Armstrong. Just last night, I pulled in my trash cans, the one regular bin that regular garbage goes in, and then the recyclable can that I'm mandated to have by my town, and I pay like $40 a month for or something. It's a ridiculous amount of money. I have to have it that's got my cardboard and plastic bottles in it. And every time I put them in and take it out and wheel it down, I always think this isn't doing anything. I don't know about my landfill, but there's been all kinds of studies over the years where people follow the garbage trucks and it all goes in the same place. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> That's absolutely true. You know, I'm taking a glance at the clock. I've got details on this and statistics and and the reality behind it, and it's pretty damned interesting, but I don't want to cram through it. So why don't we take a break? Uh, if you have something short you want to do here, yes. then we'll come back on the other side of the break and talk about it. I do. This piece in the Wall Street Journal from Brenda Cronin put the Oscars out of their misery. It's Sunday night. Last year, nine million people watched. The Oscars, if you're younger, used to be such a big deal. Only the Super Bowl was bigger. And it was practically that level of viewership. And everybody was talking about it the next day for some reason. It seems ridiculous in retrospect, but it used to be everybody was talking about it. And we would play clips and who was there and who wore what and who said what. Now nobody gives a crap. (laughs) I just watch it to hate it. Yeah, and uh, this article here is saying, put it out of its misery. It needs to go away. You know, I'm I'm into the Pulitzer Prize, Nobel Prizes for literature, all these different prizes. They just show up in a news story, and I uh-huh. read about them. Oh, look who won the Pulitzer Prize this year for history. Do the same thing with the Oscars. Enough with the, the fancy uh, the TV show. And the self-aggrandizement and the lectures. Oy. Hey, Hollywood stars, you killed it yourself. A lot of it had to do with your uh, your damn speeches that made at least half of the country hate you. That's part of it. Yeah. Anyway, recycling is a joke, according to Joe. I'm going to stand with what is good. Joe is going to try to pollute the world, apparently. Oh, absolutely. I, I, I dump a gallon or two of mercury in the stream near my house every single day if I get to it. I buy mercury. It's very expensive, but I just pour mm. it down the drain. Right. Just to show you. Yeah. Sure. Nobody's going to yeah. tell me what to do. All that is on the way. Armstrong and Getty.
The Armstrong and Getty Show. One of the most consequential NATO meetings in its history happening today. The president is on his way to Europe. We'll talk more about that. Kicking off hour three, I suppose, of the Armstrong and Getty Show. Plus, we touched on this a little bit earlier uh, in the show, the absolute insanity being taught in gender studies on American universities and a commentary by a leading professor on the whole Leah Thomas Penn swimmer oh, yeah. debacle. Yeah. You, seriously, you can't believe how crazy these people are. So stay tuned for that. I love this article by uh, John Middemore. Uh, he he starts it off talking about uh, his five year old coming back from school. Oh boy, yep, that's where you, that's where you get it. That's where you get it. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure he can relate to this. And and her the little girl comes back uh, reciting the same cheerful environmental mantra I was taught in elementary school. Reduce, reuse, recycle. She beamed, proud to show off a bit of rote learning. Recycling makes people feel good, but the idea that it improves the condition of the humans or the planet is highly dubious. The moral virtue of recycling is rarely questioned in the United States. It's been ingrained in the American psyche over several decades. He gives a couple of real-life examples of people on vacation without a recycle bin, like being super uncomfortable, throwing an aluminum can in the in the garbage or something like that. It's funny how it gets into your mind. That's that's why propaganda works. That's why teaching works. That's why mm-hmm. you know uh, repetition works. Because I have trouble throwing a water bottle into a regular trash can, even though I know in most cases. It doesn't make any difference. Well, as the author uh, as the author puts it, I didn't have the heart to tell her that there was a good chance the cans she was recycling back in the U.S. were ending up just like the ones on the Caribbean island we were visiting. As Discover Magazine pointed out a decade ago, recycling is tricky business. Twenty ten University Colum- I'm sorry, I'm skipping ahead too fast. A 2010 Columbia University study found that just 16.5 percent of the plastic collected by the New York Department of Sanitation was actually recyclable. Just 16.5%. This results in nearly half of the plastics collected being landfilled, researchers concluded. But since that time, things have gotten worse. Over the weekend, the New York Times, of all places, ran a story detailing how hundreds of cities across the country are abandoning recycling efforts. Philadelphia is now burning about half of its 1.5 million residents recycling material in an incinerator that converts waste to energy. In Memphis, the international airport still has recycling bins around the terminals, but every collected can bottle and newspaper is sent to the landfill. Yeah, that's very, very common. You want want to check out YouTube videos? There's tons of them where people follow the recycling truck and then just keep following it, and you see that your efforts were just all in your mind in terms of everything ends up in the same spot. Last month, officials in central Florida towns faced the reality that despite their best efforts to recycle, the curbside program was not working and suspended it. And there are many, many more examples. The why behind it is a little more complicated and interesting. But one of the reasons is that for virtually from the beginning of the recycling programs, China was the importer of that stuff. Because of, you know, same reasons they can manufacture cheaply, they would melt stuff down and turn it into raw materials or whatever. But as of 2018, they stopped accepting U.S. recyclables. Yeah, we talked about that, and everybody knew at the time that, well, this is, you know, recycling was a joke before that. It's definitely a joke now that the biggest buyer of the recycled stuff is going away. And your town doesn't announce when they stop doing this because it would be too embarrassing. And there's you've been paying however, you know, depending on where you live, but 
I've been paying a lot per month to have the recycling bin that they make you have. And, you know, to all of a sudden announce that's just that was a complete waste of time. You know, they're not going to do that. And the same uh, overeducated, obnoxious white women who are insisting on critical race theory being in your local school and, and flock to uh, Robin D'Angelo seminars would go crazy if your town announced that they were yeah. suspending their their recycling. Uh, Fiona Ma, the treasurer of California, told the New York Times, we are in a crisis moment in the recycling movement right now. Um, Mitch Hedlund, executive director of Recycle Across America, told the Times recycling has been dysfunctional for a long time, perhaps from the beginning. I'd say from the beginning. It's always sucked. Um, I used to say when I drank beer, I had lots of aluminum cans, <laughs> lots and lots and lots. And a number of times I tried to recycle them to do the right thing. And every time I went to one of those recycled places, whatever, the people there were nasty and slow. And you ended up getting like 75 cents. And I and I did it a number of times. They go, well, I must have gone to the wrong place. I'll go to a better place. And I just said, screw it. I'm no longer. It's just going in the garbage now. If you don't care any more than you act like you care when I get there, I don't care either. Right. Right. Uh, a couple of quotes of note. Uh, nearly a quarter century ago, Lawrence Reed wrote about the growing fad of recycling, which state and local governments were pursuing with almost religious-like fervor. Yes. There were, there were numerous problems, he observed. The fact is that sometimes recycling makes sense and sometimes it doesn't. In the legislative rush to pass recycling mandates, state and local governments should pause to consider the science and the economics of every proposition. Often bad ideas are worse than none at all and can produce lasting damage if they're enshrined in law. That's some good liberty-loving thinking there. Simply demanding that something be recycled can be disruptive of markets and it does not guarantee that recycling that makes either economic or environmental sense will even occur. And then, well, and the author says, if only lawmakers had heeded Mr. Reed's advice or John Tierney, who offered similar guidance in in time in the times the following year, quote, believing that there are no more room in landfills, Americans concluded that recycling was their only option. Their intentions were good mm-hmm. and their conclusions seemed plausible. Recycling does sometimes make sense for some materials in some places at some times. But the simplest and cheapest option is usually to bury garbage in an environmentally safe landfill. And since there's no shortage of landfill space, the crisis of 1987 was a false alarm there's no reason to make recycling illegal or moral imperative yeah i'm probably a bad parent in that my, my kids are always confused um uh i live in a town where you don't have two choices when you're throwing away your garbage you often have like six choices so you're standing outside the target or wherever you are and you want to throw away something and there's like six different things and it's all symbols and i never can figure out is this a does it, <laughs> right. I don't, and I always tell my kids, just throw it in the one that says landfill. Throw everything in the one that says landfill. Don't waste that's, your time. That's where it's going. <laughs> that's where it's going anyway. So whatever. Is uh, just out of curiosity, is one of those cha- one of those uh, choices pelt passersby <laughs> with garbage? <laughs> so one more. I thought this was fascinating. Popular mechanics noted just a couple of years ago the idea that we don't have sufficient space to safely store trash is untrue. Uh, and if you don't believe this. Drive from Chicago to the West Coast someday, all right, which I've done a couple of times. According to one calculation, all the garbage produced in the U.S. for the next 1,000 years could fit in a landfill 100 yards deep and 35 miles across on each side. What? Which is not that big unless you happen to live in the neighborhood. (laughs) (laughs) 
that's going to hurt your housing prices. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, property values are a little bad. Uh, or but good, good news, there are going to be a lot of jobs around here. Bad news, the world's biggest dump. So there's a, park, way, there's a park nearby this house, but you are going to have all of the garbage for the next 1,000 years <laughs> right over there. How do you like the smell of methane? <laughs> or put another way, it would take another 20 years to run through the landfills that the U.S. has already built. So the notion that we're running out of landfill space, the original impetus for the recycling boom, turns out to have been a red herring from the beginning. Interesting. That's interesting. I've read a lot of articles about this sort of stuff because it's, you know, it's what I suspected all along. So I like reading stuff that confirms what I thought mm-hmm. um, makes me feel good about myself. It's a very, very cheap way to boost your self-confidence. Um, uh, I've read a lot of articles about this sort of stuff. And the reality is it's just it's just way too difficult to come up with a profitable way to separate separate out all the cardboard, plastics, that sort of stuff that would turn out to be useful for mankind. It's just too expensive. Well, and the other point that this article makes, and we'll post it so you can read it in full at armstrongandgetty.com, is all of this consumes an enormous amount of energy. Mm. From the transportation to the actual machinery, just all the logistics of recycling are a huge energy suck and burn tons and tons of fossil fuels. Here's the punchline, though. I'll probably still be separating my garbage in paying for that extra recyclable bin for the rest of my life. Yes, you will. That is correct. Completely pointlessly. Yes. Wow. If you miss an hour of the show, grab the podcast at armstrongandgetty.com. Armstrong and Getty.